Welcome to the More Than a Pastor Show with Rich Avery. If you're tired of feeling stuck, broke, or unfulfilled in your life and ministry, you're in the right place. This show is about helping you reimagine your calling so you can enjoy the life, impact, and income you were made for. And now your host, marathon runner, in and out burger lover, and a guy who's more than a pastor, Rich Avery. Hey, welcome back to More Than a Pastor. My name is Rich Avery. I'm a multivocational pastor and coach dedicated to helping you provide for your family what your ministry income can't. Stick around and I'll show you how to turn your ministry know-how into sustainable income through a business or side hustle you love so you can serve God and provide for your family no matter what. Hey, I'm really glad you took the time to join me today. If you're new to the show, you can learn more about me Get the show notes for today's episode and download some free resources to help you not just survive, but thrive in these uncertain times over at morethanapastor.com slash 16, and that's for episode 16. Well, uh, as we're getting started, I want to let you know that I've got a little bit of congestion going on right now, so I apologize if that comes across in uh, this episode. I got a cold or an allergy last week, you know, here in the springtime uh, where I live in Michigan, the allergies hit us hard uh, with the different pollens and grasses and things like that. So I think that's what I've got going on right now. So I'm a little bit congested, a little bit wheezy. I apologize for that, but uh, hopefully we'll make it through uh, this episode here together. So my question today is, how are doubt, dogmatism, and deconstruction shaping the future of the church in America? That's our topic for this episode of More Than a Pastor. And we're continuing our series on why I think the future of the church in America is co-vocational. And we're exploring cultural, social, and economic trends that I believe will lead to smaller churches and co-vocational pastors. And why now, I believe, is the time for pastors like you and me to figure out how we can leverage our ministry skills into a secondary income source so we can serve God and provide for our families no matter what. Last time we talked about progressive theology, racial justice, and LGBTQ. If you missed that, uh, or you're new and you, you haven't really heard any of the other episodes in this series, I invite you to go back and listen to that into the other episodes. Today we're exploring the growing culture of doubt and deconstruction in the evangelical church, especially among millennials and Gen Z, and how I think the church's Typical response only serves to magnify the problem, if it is indeed a problem. But first, I've got a free resource that I'm offering during this series, and it's called How to Know If Starting Your Own Business is Right for You. In it, I share the top 12 signs that you might be ready to start your own business and the three most important things every pastor needs in order to launch and grow a successful, profitable business. You can download your free copy today at morethanapastor.com slash biz. That's morethanapastor.com slash B-I-Z. Well, have you ever had a conversation that should have been short, sweet, and to the point, but it just totally blew up on you and it took way longer for you to resolve than you ever imagined it would? I had just that type of experience with one of my sons, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, when he was a young teen. Uh, 
There was this situation that wasn't really a huge deal at the time, but I wanted him to know that I thought that what he did was wrong. And I can't recall exactly what it was, but it, I think it had something to do with maybe how he had responded to or treated one of his siblings. And I just wanted him to know that I thought his action and um, the attitude that I thought was behind it was wrong. But instead of just receiving my words and saying, okay, dad, you're right, my son wanted to explain to me his thinking on why he did what he did and how we had come to the conclusion that he had come to and why he, in fact, was not wrong. And well, I responded by reminding him as if he needed the reminder that I was his dad and that as his dad, I had judged that what he had done was wrong and that he just needed to accept it to apologize, and to move on. But dad, he said, and he kept trying to make his case and share his perspective on why he thought he was not wrong. But I just couldn't let him do that. I just kept trying to stop him from saying anything more. It got drawn out. It was frustrating. It was ugly. And looking back, I realized I had failed to create a safe space for my son and I to have an honest conversation. For me to hear his side of the story, I'd failed to put our relationship first in the midst of the conversation I wanted to be right. And instead, I had stoked feelings of anger and injustice inside of him and frustration within both of us for a conversation that definitely could have been over within just a couple minutes. But I had allowed it to escalate into a debate that seemed like it went on, I don't know, for like an hour. If I could have just offered him a safe place to have a conversation, if I could have just given him a soft answer, to borrow a, a, a phrase from Proverbs 15, a soft answer to turn away wrath, man, things could have been so much different. But instead, I used harsh words, and they only served to stir up anger within him. In the end, my argumentativeness and my desire to be right crushed my son's spirit. It harmed our relationship and it created some emotional distance between us that took some time to heal. And that's exactly how I feel about the church's response to the age of doubt, disillusionment, and deconstruction that we're experiencing right now. It's especially noticeable, isn't it, among the Gen Z and millennial generations? But I wonder, have you also noticed it growing among their parents and grandparents as well? I have. Pastors, churches, and denominations, man, we've got many answers for why so many people are dealing with doubts and disillusionment and are leaving the church or even leaving their faith right now. But from my perspective, it seems like most of these answers tend to blame cultural secularization, biblical compromise, and the deconstruction is cool and trendy uh, vibe that uh, seems to be all the rage these days. From popular Christian influencers, I think about like Science Mike McArgue and Michael Gunger or whatever Michael calls himself these days. You can probably think of other Christian influencers who have deconstructed or left the faith or maybe even some prominent former pastors who now call themselves ex-evangelicals. But I wonder, could there be something else that's, that we're missing Another reason why so many people are becoming disillusioned with and are leaving the church and uh, and leaving the faith altogether. Well, here's what I think, and you're obviously free to agree or disagree. I feel the way in which the church 
has typically responded to the disillusioned only adds to their disillusionment and confirms for them that it's time for them to leave the church. And here's why. When, When people express doubts about certain doctrinal beliefs, or when they have questions about labels or systems that seem to be dated and that hold people back or are unjust, Christian leaders typically are more known for demonizing doubts and stigmatizing doubters than really providing a safe place where people can express their honest doubts about faith without being labeled. We often rush to correct questions and doubts with our official pat answers instead of truly embracing and engaging with those with their questions and doubts. Man, we often double down on our dogmatism and we claim certitude on things that maybe we're probably not really certain about. Instead of being honest and humble about things we're not certain of and even being willing to acknowledge our own questions and doubts. We toe the company or the denominational line to preserve and defend the labels and structures that don't seem to fit anymore, instead of looking at them critically with a fresh set of spiritual eyes. Now I know I'm painting with a broad brush, and there are always exceptions out there, and I hope that you and your church are one of them. And like I've said in every episode of this series, I'm not here, I don't really want to stir up a theological or political debate. My goal is to share a perspective on social, political, cultural, economic trends that I believe are creating shifts that will greatly impact the future of the church for generations. Shifts that I think will lead to financial struggle for many churches in the face of sustained decline in in giving of tithes and offerings. Shifts that I think are going to lead many full-time pastors into co-vocational ministry, needing to work in the marketplace along with the church in order to provide for their family. So after all this, you may be asking, okay, Rich, well, how should we respond when there are thousands or, I don't know, maybe even millions of Christians who are coming to a point in their lives where they feel like the faith systems that they grew up with or are engaged in no longer fit them? Well, I don't have grand answers. I think maybe I have more questions. And so I'd love to ask some questions in the same way Jesus would. You know, when someone asks Jesus a question, he would answer with more questions. So I've got a series of six questions here that I want to ask, and maybe that helps us together to, um, to, to come to a conclusion or an answer on what to do about this situation. Question number one, I wonder if how we're framing the problem is the problem. There's no doubt that these shifts will create disruption, which will impact every church. And with every kind of a serious disruption, We can view it as a problem or an opportunity. So with this problem today of so many questioning faith, of leaving their faith, is it really a problem or is it an opportunity? Is it something that's a curse or is it a blessing? Is it something that we might not have really ever wanted to ask for, but in the end, something that we needed that could help bring about something better? So I'm just wondering, are we we looking at the problem in the right way? Are we framing the problem correctly? That's question number one. Question number two, what if this era of doubt and deconstruction is actually the revival that we've been praying for? You know, revival takes many forms and it doesn't always look the way we anticipated or had hoped or had imagined that it would look. But what if this is part of a revival that God wants to bring 
to individuals to help them grow deeper in their faith and to the church. And what if we're missing it? What if we're missing it because we're dismissing it? Number three, what if everyone needs to deconstruct their faith system at some point? And it's just a natural part of growing in our faith. And I want to get to that here in number four. What if with humility, we intentionally reached out more to the doubters, the disillusioned, the misfits, the people on the margins? And what if we really created a place of belonging where labels get dropped and where people were just able to be completely real with each other? Maybe instead of creating an us versus them mentality, it's an us mentality that we're all in this together. What if there's a way that we can create a new community where people felt free where it was normal to question things and people felt free to ask their questions and that we could wrestle together, not with pat answers, but to really help people to grow together. Number five, uh, kind of continuing with, with this theme, what if we could tap into the pain and trauma that people have experienced in church or with Christians in the past? And what if we could turn that around into something that God can use to grow them and to help reach more people? I love this question uh, or this this idea that I got from Pastor Dave Gibbons. He's the lead pastor of New Song Church out in uh, Irvine, California, out in Orange County. I've had the privilege of meeting him a few times and even being in a uh, like a week long spiritual uh, retreat experience with him uh, that he and his team led um, was just very meaningful for me. And he talks about that our pain is the path to our superpower. Think about like the superheroes and and how the thing that caused them pain was often the thing that was their greatest power and and that they could use to transform that and, and to help save the world. So think about all the pain that so many people have said they've experienced at the hand of the church or of Christian people who didn't treat them right or who had abused them or who had Uh, just not been a positive influence in their life. What if we could help tap into that pain and help see that transformed into a superpower that could reach more people than we ever could have imagined? And the last one, number six, what if Jesus wants to deconstruct the American institutional churchianity that we we have. I don't I don't say Christianity, but there's a system, if you know what I mean, there's a system that's been created that has put politics above kingdom, that's marginalized women and minorities in some situations, perpetuated male dominance and toxic culture, marginalized LGBTQ people, and and cast stones at anyone who dare question or or doubt the system. What if Jesus wants to use this to deconstruct the American institutional church as we've come to know it, and and to recreate something that's organic and missional and the life-giving community that he intended the church to be. So those are just some questions I have in response. Maybe this era isn't something that is to be um, feared or cursed, but really something to be embraced, something to be entered into. What if we just reoriented how we do ministry to engage those people this culture more with humility and not with arrogance, with uh, seeking to learn and understand and not with the pat answers? And what if God will receive that humility and that, and, and 
that intentionality and do something that we couldn't have imagined otherwise. So those are some questions I have in this era right now that we are experiencing of doubt and disillusionment. Not to answer it with more dogma, but to enter it with humility, with compassion, with love, and and to really see what does God want to do through this to help make us, to help make his people, his church, into something that he wants it really to be. So to wrap up, I don't believe this era of doubt and disillusionment is something to be feared or cursed, but something God wants to use to remake the church. Maybe that traditional institutional model of church that we've known in the last hundred years, maybe that needs to go away. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we're going to be seeing smaller churches, what we call fresh expressions, churches that don't look like churches, pastors who don't look like pastors. Maybe that's what it's going to take to reach our communities in this next generation. And maybe with that, maybe now is the time for pastors like you and me to take a good look at at our skills and our talents and our ministry experiences and to see how we can leverage those into sustainable income for our family through our own business or side hustle so we can serve God and provide for our family no matter what. Well, you might be asking, well, Rich, how do I know if starting a business or side hustle is really right for me. It's all I've all only I've ever done is uh, I've been in ministry. Well, I'm glad you've asked that question because I put together a simple PDF and it's called How to Know If Starting Your Own Business Is Right for You. And in it, I outline uh, 12 signs that that you've got what it takes to start your own business. And you can just read through it and you can assess yourself and, and, and determine, yeah, I've got, these are the traits I have. These are ones I don't have, but you can look through and decide, okay, is starting a business right for me? And I talk about how some of the skills and things we've experienced in ministry really help equip us for business. And also in this, I include the three most important things that I think every pastor needs in order to launch and grow a successful, profitable business. And you can download your free copy today at morethanapastor.com slash biz. Hey, in our next episode, I want to wrap up our series on why I think the future of the church is co-vocational. Next time, we're going to talk about pandemics and church economics. I hope you'll join me for that. And that's it for this episode of the More Than a Pastor show. If you've enjoyed it, would you please do me a favor and subscribe and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. It's a great way to support the show, and it only takes a few seconds. And if you want to learn more about me or reach out, you can uh, check um, the website and get my contact information over at morethanapastor.com slash 16 for episode 16. And until next time, remember that you are more than a pastor. Saying yes to God's call doesn't mean you have to say yes to feeling stuck, broke, or unfulfilled in your life and ministry. Let's work together to create the life, impact, and income that you were made for.